We live inside a dream. Insane in the Billy Zane, Billy Zane in the brain. Hello and welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates with your two favorite geeks who like Twin Peaks. My name's Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Eric, that was probably the best one yet. I, I feel good about it. I yeah. feel good about it. Uh, so, Jeremy, what's what's going on? We're, we're, so this is, the, uh, this is a Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch podcast mm-hmm. and we are uh, sort of in the home stretch. Uh, two episodes left we're doing of... Twin Peaks season two. Uh, and this episode, we will be covering episodes twenty three through twenty five, mm. and then we'll be we'll be finishing up the season uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, With four so, episodes, right? <laughs> four episodes. Yeah, that'll yeah, be yeah. a longer one. We'll, that's we'll, okay. Uh, it'll be a fun one. I'd rather great, I'd rather actually. tear off the band aid than split them up into two apps. I think so too. I mm. think uh, you know. I I think so too. But I I I don't know about you, Jeremy. But I um. I actually, I really enjoyed all of these episodes. Same. To be with you. Even even twenty three, like it, it just kind of like goes right from like bad to good. I would opinion. say especially twenty three. Twenty three was the episode I liked the most. I think in this group of episodes. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it brings back a lot of the weirdness. So get ready for a lot of the um, the 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 red room talking backwards, man. You know, you'll you'll get a little cameo yep. from Bob. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I mean, it it kind of returns to form a little bit and it starts to tie up some I would call it like just straight up dead storylines. Like Yes. Like the Josie storyline ties up in a way that I'm like, "Thank God this is <laughs> coming to a close." Yeah. But yeah, no, I um, I agree with you, Eric. I actually enjoyed them. I I guess that's Twin Peaks season two, which I'm still four episodes. We're still four episodes away from finishing. Mm. But maybe when people remember it so poorly, it's because of just like a dip in the middle. Maybe these end up, maybe these end strong. I think it really is. Like I was, I was having a good, I mean, I'm having a good time the whole time, but I was like, it didn't really dip for me until maybe like five episodes, six episodes ago, Mm. pretty much like after, uh james leaves town (laughs) it's like (laughs) yeah we only got one moment with james in this episode and uh and i'm so james is sparse i think james is gone now yeah i think james is is done like for the rest of the show Mm. if if he shows up in uh the return who knows who knows We'll find out one of these days. But Jeremy, we have a new patron. His name is Robert. Hello, Robert. Robert, uh, thank you welcome. for joining us, my dude. Got in on that free uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 free Patreon special. Yes, the coronavirus special mm-hmm. is going... The uh, What did I call it? It's it's the pandemic special. I think pandemic it's special. <laughs> any uh, friendlier of a name, but... Uh, no, we so uh, I fiddled around with the Patreon. I was trying what we in I in an ideal world we would just be giving away some bonus episodes for free while this shit's going on. Uh, it's 
a little more complicated than that with Patreon. So what I had to do was change our $1 tier mm. to uh, a- to include the bonus episodes. So mm. you can sign up for that mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon yet. And I am just gonna like wave. I can just can't like stop billing until uh, the pandemic is over. Yeah. So we're just gonna do that. So April is you know free. Obviously, if this keeps going, no one's getting charged. Nobody has to. If you're a current patron and you're on like the five dollar tier, and there's no point in like switching to another tier because we're just gonna wave. We're just gonna wave. Wave the the billing until the pandemic's over, and then get back to normal afterwards. Uh, hopefully, that is not <laughs> too too far in the future. But I'm the hearing uh, from pretty reputable sources, and you know, actually, one of our patrons, Dad wears glasses, is in the medical world. Like he you does know, work in the medical field. I've seen. I feel like I've seen him post like a selfie in scrubs or something. I thought maybe he is. And I thought he was just being funny in those pictures at first. And then I realized, no, I think that's just his job. But what I'll say (laughs) is, uh, you know, and and so Dabber's glasses, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that I've been, the kind of numbers I've been hearing thrown around is eight weeks. So, you know, Mm. uh, brace yourself for at least another eight weeks. And this is coming from, doctors who are kind of on the front lines who Jackie knows. My girlfriend Jackie is uh, also in the medical field. Not directly on the front lines with the COVID-19 outbreaks, but knows a lot of people who are dealing with it and can safely say that it's not a hoax. It's not a... uh, No one's (laughs) lying. There actually aren't enough ventilators. There's not enough masks. No one has what they need. It is a shit show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not good, but uh, yeah. So uh, that anyway, that's patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. You can also find it on our Twitter at Chucky Rules Four Twenty. Sign up for that Patreon. What I did is I went back and I actually made like some of uh, my personal favorite uh, bonus episodes we've done in the past available for that one dollar tier as well. So as soon as you sign up, you get like eight of. Uh, probably our best Patreon episodes. Uh, we we're covering like Tales from the Crypt episodes over there. We have a whole Hollywood conspiracy theory series. We do. We are after this. We're doing an episode on uh another installment of our 100 best comedy films of the uh of the 1990s. Definitively, one of the best ones. We're so far away from number one. I can't wait to see what oh it my is. God. We're on like 72 <laughs> or something. It's <laughs> insane. It's going to be a four-parter, I think. For I sure. Who, who knows? Uh, but, Jeremy, let's dive in because we, we got a lot to talk about. So this is, uh, let's see, uh, episode 23. You know, I do actively try and look up like trivia and fun shit. Um for these episodes Mm -hmm. and weirdly enough once stuff started getting bad people just like there just like isn't any interesting facts (laughs) to read about these people are just like overall like less passionate about uh about it at some point along the way though in this run uh twin peaks was switched back from i believe it changed time slots back from the saturday to a more like reasonable time mm-hmm. i think okay I obviously that didn't you know help no. at all no 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 it got canceled post haste immediately after this season done no more yeah 
You know, I can't think of, I can still remember the time when I would like watch TV and it's like, okay, like for years and years, it was like, okay, The Simpsons is on at like 7 p.m. Mm. on Sundays, new episodes. Um, or even like, you know, like the, like the office is on Thursday nights and it's just that way for years. I can't think of a show that like jumped around to different time slots as much as Twin Peaks has. Like, yeah, it, it seems like it's a really not a, it's not like a good thing to do if you want a show to be, to be successful. Yeah. If your show is airing in 1991, do not change time slots. That seems to be the rule of thumb. <laughs> like, yeah. It just seems like it'll get lost. It's a bad business. It'll get lost completely. Although I will say that back in the early 90s, people were more acclimated to like the TV guide. So like figuring out like when shit was airing. I'll tell you this, Eric. Here's a little anecdote. My entire life, and I mean entire life, like until even up until now, I've never known when a thing aired ever like on TV. Like really? Yeah, like How? I never knew like when the Simpsons for example aired new episodes. I would like watch the Simpsons, I would just turn on TV and hope that a, a show I liked was on. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I know. But like I mean, I kind of knew like that TRL, I guess back when I was in high school that that sure. would come on or at, like after school. You know what I mean? Like you kind of understand certain things, but like 7 p.m. Sunday, like, I would have loved to know that. That's when, like, New Simpsons aired. Instead, I just <laughs> hoped that they aired of one I hadn't seen before on, like, a Monday at, like, yeah. 6 or whatever. So I just watched yeah. reruns, I guess, my whole life is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I was, a nut. I was like, a nut about it. I was, like, we're, we're like, out with the family on, on Sunday. We got to, Mom and Dad, we got to get home at 7 p.m. We got to yeah. get home. Hurry it up. Finish your chimichanga. We got to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Uh, So we start off, Dale and uh, Truman listen to a message from Wyndham Merle. This is the one that he left in Cooper's bed under the mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, he challenges Dale to a deadly chess game asking him to place his next move in the news, newspaper. Nothing like a nothing like a deadly chess game <laughs> yeah, to up the stakes. Yeah, nothing like a so, deadly game of chess. I feel like that's also that's very tropic of like television and film. Like chess is representative of like war and stuff. Like people like to make chess a way bigger deal than it is. Have you ever yes. played chess, Eric? No, I've always kind of wanted to get into it. Um and I think I've actually learned it from someone mm. and then just like hadn't played it and now I would never remember how to do it. Yeah. I know the rules. I don't know and I know how to play. I don't I wouldn't know how to strategize and I'll tell you what, when you're learning the rules, every piece makes sense until you get to those horsey pieces and then it's <laughs> like, oh boy, they move in like an L shape and you're like, oh god, get me out of yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's it's a Kubrick's game. Kubrick's a big uh, dude. Big yes. Chess fan. You oh, know yeah, and um, I forgot to mention this. I don't know if it's even appropriate now, but I bought like those interview series, those director filmmaker interview series. Are Have great. you tapped into any of those? Oh yeah, I'm halfway done with the uh the Kubrick one, which yes. they're very quick reads. So you could probably finish a whole book in a like three or four hours. But um, the chess is such a bigger part of Kubrick's overall life than i yeah kind of thought did it you was. get to the one about the uh the guy who was like staying with like like 
hanging around with Kubrick for a couple days and like Kubrick kept fucking with him like mm-hmm. t- like beating him at chess. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, there was a guy, I you're talking about the guy who um said that he actually he loses four games in a row but then he wins every five games. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Kubrick couldn't figure, and like he actually beat Kubrick on the fifth game, and Kubrick couldn't figure out how he did it, and so he just kept making him play chess games with him five times in a row, so he could figure yeah. out what was going on in the fifth game. Yeah, it was a, it's a really fascinating little anecdote that this guy talks about, and then I think it ends with Kubrick was hustling him the whole time or something, right? But it's right. it's just so wild, like how. Kubrick would just about stop nearly anything he was doing <laughs> if you asked him to play chess. He would just stop yeah. dead in his tracks and be like, oh, yeah, let's play chess. That yeah. that being said, we'll talk more about Stanley Kubrick uh, two weeks from today. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, Pete Martell is called to the station to assist them. Uh, he brings breakfast to Andrew Packard first. Uh, they have a laugh due to Pete arranging the food to look like a dog. Uh Pretty easy, pretty easy room there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Catherine's annoyed by it. Pete leaves, and uh, the siblings discuss Ghostwood before Josie enters, fainting. Upon this is the first of two times I think we see Josie faint uh, in this episode, and each time very dramatic. Yes, and deadly, deadly faints. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hank Jennings, uh, goes to Sheriff Truman, uh, Truman's office, escorted by Hawk. Uh, he is charged with attempted murder of Leo Johnson. Uh, Hank proposes a trade, offering info on the murder of Andrew Packard, who he not so subtly states, uh, to be Josie. Not so... Yeah, I think that makes sense. Oh, the murderer. Yes, okay. Uh, Harry, uh, angrily has Hawk remove Hank from the office. Right. And we got to remember there too that uh Hank was also having a little uh ooh la la time with Josie. So, you know, there's a little bad yeah. blood there between Harry and old Hank, if you know what I mean. By the way, this scene features Harry, Hank, and Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I was getting so confused. Uh Albert presents b- uh, ballistics evidence to Cooper that point the finger to Josie as the person who shot him. Right. Albert wishes to arrest her, but Cooper delays this. I forgot. I, say, I forgot that that was still up in the air. I thought yeah. it was just Leland Palmer who shot him. Yeah, I forgot that too. I remember it, this like brought me back to the first time watching the show and actually being surprised that like Josie was the person. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Kind of an interesting <laughs> turn. Yeah, kinda. Um, it's also was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot we cared about. <laughs> no, I definitely cared yeah. about who shot him. But again, I will say, I just thought it was Leland, and they. I didn't. I didn't know that that was still a part of the mystery. So when they revealed it, I was like, what? It was like a double mystery where I was like, oh, I also didn't yeah. know we were still solving that. <laughs> uh, Audrey goes to the concierge desk at the Great Northern. Uh, John Justice Wheeler arrives uh, and goes to the desk where Audrey is not cooperative with him until she finally <laughs> looks at him. What do you... Uh, I, I take it. Are you are you a Billy Va- Billy Zane fan? Um, I yeah, like I I ironically love Billy Zane, but I unironically love him in this show. Like I actually think his oh, yeah. character's good. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's great. He's like he's just very like uh good to look like he's he's, he's like good to interesting. Look at. You're he's good right. to look at, yeah. interesting to watch. Uh, he's a good he actor. Just, His character is really solid in this. He's also very calming because he brings like a presence that's very like noble. Yes. Uh, what else is Billy? I sorry, I was looking up. What else is he's Billy? He's the bad Zane guy in, in right? Titanic. <laughs> that's how. Yeah, okay, I think most okay. people know him as the bad guy in Titanic. He's in a bunch of Got other it. shit too. Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Okay. okay. Apparently. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he plays, uh, it says he plays Marty McFly. <laughs> I'm getting this on fakemovienews.com. Uh, let's see. He requests she have someone retrieve his uh, luggage, then mentions to her that he has a photo of her from when she was young. Uh, great line. I, I use that line all the time. Always works. Uh, Audrey opens uh, Earl's envelope for her, containing a section of a poem. Requesting her to be at the roadhouse at a certain time. I love this. I love this so much. This is, oh man, you're right. This is a really good episode. Uh, Nadine admits to Ed that she and Mike are in love and yes. that they are breaking up. Which, okay, so I, maybe I missed it, but Mike is in love with Nadine at this point, right? I guess. I don't know. There is like, there was like a turning point at somewhere that I either like wasn't fully paying attention to mm-hmm. or just like, we didn't see. Yeah. But yeah, because he hated her like a couple episodes ago. He was like, exactly. she was like kicking his ass in wrestling. Yeah. Well, and then at the diner, he she like basically assaults him by like jumping on him <laughs> yeah. and kissing him. And then she runs away. And I think that's the last we've seen of Mike, who I guess the camera holds on him for a minute. So maybe we're supposed to assume that he changed his mind. But that's sure. that. that's not something that they said explicitly. So... Lo and behold, when we get this scene from Nadine, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, Nadine, no. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cooper questions Josie about Jonathan's murder, which she insists to have no involvement with. Catherine eavesdrops. Uh, Cooper requests that Josie be at the sheriff's station at nine, then leaves before Catherine reveals herself to Josie. Uh, They discuss uh, Josie meeting with Thomas Eckert, and Catherine reveals a pistol for her. Um, you own a pistol, Jeremy? <laughs> uh, of the Nerf variety. Let me ask you something. If you in a world, in a world where like you have to have a gun, what 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 kind of gun would you have? Um, probably a. I'm thinking I'll I was gonna I'm gonna have something like I could have on my thigh, you know, like one of those <laughs> sure. small guns that where you pull up your yeah. pull up your shorts and you have a gun <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What about you, Eric? What kind of gun are you look uh, shopping for? Uh, probably the same thing, honestly. <laughs> whatever is like whatever is the most like idiot proof gun <laughs> that like is just like you can hit stuff pretty good with it yeah even if you're like dumb i will say that uh we me and my girlfriend had a very real moment one night when we were considering the idea that if resources were to dry up in the case of a massive pandemic would we go out seek a a weapon to perhaps protect our house from looters and marauders and uh, sure. that 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 conversation ended with a uh, 
No, but mostly because we'd have to learn how to use it. And that takes time and resources that we don't really have. <laughs> so I guess yeah, we decided yeah. that uh, death is easier. <laughs> right, right. Uh Ben, Bobby, Jerry, Audrey, and Jack have a meeting where uh, Ben reveals the Stop Stop Ghostwood campaign with which he plans to stop the Ghostwood development project in the name of the endangered pine weasel. Mm. I love this. I love Ben (laughs) talking about this. I I actually just love that Ben is finally, like, snapped out of his, like, weird... uh, confederacy (laughs) yeah that sucked and And yeah this seems more palatable i also like that we're getting a little jack ben and audrey i love those three together because you know ben's trying to marry off his daughter to this handsome bachelor and we're kind of rooting for it to happen too anything to get her away from the fbi agent who's in his mid to late 30s sure um i also feel like bobby didn't really fit in this scene like he kind of stuck out like a sore thumb like what are you doing here (laughs) yeah uh double r uh earl leaves in an envelope for shelly as norma talks on the phone with her sister annie who is coming to twin peaks Mm -hmm. very exciting roller girl Uh, yes she's leaving she's leaving a convent uh norma finds the envelope and gives it to shelly uh, it contains a portion of the poem and a request to meet at the roadhouse. Ed then comes in and embraces Norma. Uh, Leo carves arrows for Earl, uh, who comes to check on his progress. Earl has a little bit of a uh, gut that I didn't notice in the original when you first meet him. He's got like a big old fat gut. <laughs> yeah, like a little. Yeah, like a belly. He's got a belly going. Yeah, on, he's got like a belly. Yeah. Like it's hard for him to. It was hard for him to like waddle over to Leo in this scene, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, "What? I didn't. I didn't. I guess I just. I. I thought he was more svelte from our his introduction, but I guess he's. He's a. Uh, he's got that dad bod. I mean, it could be one of his many costumes. Sure, he's a man of. He's a man of mystery. Many faces. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hank lays in his prison cell at the sheriff's station uh, as Norma comes in requesting a divorce. Uh, however, he agrees on the condition that she give him an alibi for the night Leo Johnson was shot. She refuses, declaring that she would rather be Ed's whore than Hank's wife. Ooh, that's a good line. That's a great line. And I love this scene, baby. For as 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 much as I don't, the uh, Ed and Norma stuff, I'm just like, bluff. But, I love yeah. getting one over on Hank. You like to see him behind those bars. It's, yeah. It's nice. You like to see Norma really stick it to him, too. We've been waiting for this, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Pete tries to figure out the next move to make against Earl, uh, trying to keep all of their places on the board. Uh, Albert speaks to Cooper privately, uh, revealing even more evidence of Josie's involvement in the shooting of Cooper and the death of Johnson. However, Harry overhears this Mm. Mm -hmm. and gives sort of like a little like sad puppy dog look. Yeah. We, we really see, uh, uh, hmm. Why am I blanking on his name? We see Michael his, we see his, Anakin Michael Ankin. Yeah. Yes, we we really see his acting chops come to they, come to light. <laughs> they're really making him stretch as a performer in these next they couple really episodes, are. and boy, it yields such mixed results. <laughs> I know he's like he's like really going for it when he's like yelling and stuff, yeah. but it's uh, hard to take seriously. For he's me. he's got just the dopiest face that I think really works for his character, but like. 
We're yeah. about to see him go through some stuff, and uh, it's just he just it just looks like so funny. It looks like a yeah. character from a Tim and Eric show going through something. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody listening, but you know, watch Beef House and and then look at Michael Onicky and then look at this performance, and I think you'll get what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josie applies makeup as she welcomes Andrew into her room. We'll call back to the to the first shot in uh, Twin Peaks. When, is Josie looking in the mirror? Mm. I think she's putting on makeup in that too. Can't remember, but. Uh, he, uh, Andrew states that despite her involvement in the original plan to murder him, he no longer harbors any hard feelings uh, and implores her to see Eckhart. Uh, I gotta admit, like, I don't care that much about this stuff. No. Like, I don't, I've never really, like, I sort of like the whole Ghostwood thing, but it's kind of become very, like, convoluted, especially with these, like, two old men who are, like, very easy to mix up mix up <laughs> yeah it's i don't know yeah it uh, sucks it, it's not good it's 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 tough i mean the harry stuff is okay harry and josie stuff but, sure but anything with Catherine is just so boring like she's such a bad character like she's good mm. and bad at the same time and her performance is usually not i don't know man i don't know i i guess yeah i, I agree with what you just said <laughs> eckhart <laughs> and andrew are boring and 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 look alike they do yeah uh donna and james have a picnic together uh she forgives him for his involvement with evelyn requests that he return to twin peaks with her he refuses for no reason he tells <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. She tells him to take whatever time he needs before he returns. Okay. Uh, uh, Harry goes to the Blue Pine Lodge and asks Pete and Catherine where Josie went. Uh, they tell him she was going to see Thomas Eckert at the Great Northern. Harry leaves. Uh, Eckert enters an elevator where Andrew is waiting for him. Packard uh, stops the elevator and explains how he managed to survive the attempt on his life. He warns Eckert about Josie before he leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, ben, Audrey, and Jack have dinner mm-hmm. uh, where they discuss business dealings before Ben accuses himself, excuses himself after the chef tries to stab Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> what? I forgot about that. Or I, I think I missed that. What happens exactly? Do you uh, know? He just gets a... The waiter comes up and gives him a little, like... Pst- like aside and then he goes excuse me i have to go back to the kitchen apparently the chef tried to stab jerry and then like like, that's that's his reason for leaving and then we get a little bit more with audrey and jack which this is a good scene i mean i I gotta say i like this romance it feels doesn't feel forced feels good yes audrey tells jack that he seems like an intrusion to her family but asks him where he had been uh in the intervening years since he last saw ben she then excuses herself for her appointment at the Roadhouse. Uh, Donna, Shelley, and Audrey meet at the Roadhouse and piece together the poem uh, they were given by Earl. This is great. I love this. Uh, Catherine uh, calls Cooper, telling him that Josie is in Eckert's suite. Uh, he goes, but before he arrives, Josie shoots Thomas, who rises from the bed and dies in front of Cooper. Hmm. Josie aims her gun at Cooper until Harry arrives, imploring her to put the gun down. However, Josie suddenly dies, and Harry cradles her body in his arms. Yeah, she faints herself to death. 
Yes, she does a full 360 and faints <laughs> on the bed. Uh, Bob uh, somehow doing uh, 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 fuck. There's like a there's like a name of a yoga pose that like looks exactly like what she's doing, but I can't mm. remember it. Bob tauntingly appears to Cooper, uh, followed by the man from another place dancing. Mm-hmm. Josie's face then appears in the in the knob to a drawer next to the bed. I like this ending, and I didn't it's remember so it from my first viewing, and I wasn't expecting it. So imagine my surprise when I see all this stuff going on, and I'm like, "Wow, we're back! Here we are! Here we are!" Uh, I do- I'm picturing you sitting in yeah. a chair watching the TV, big grin on the face. Yes, big grin. I was I was kind of doing the like, uh, "Hey, everybody, get in here, watch this scene." <laughs> you know, think get all my roommates who are like hard at work at their jobs, you know, bringing them in. I, I, I think that I don't get the doorknob thing with Josie, but it is also looks bad, but also kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I really like it actually. Like, uh, apparently this is like David Lynch really wanted this. <laughs> yeah. What does this it is like a David mean to you? Like her soul got trapped in a piece of furniture. Well, there's something to the fact that it's wood and like the forest and the oh, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the wood and the forest and the black lodge. Right. There's something to that. I don't have a good answer for you though. I've not, okay. I have actually not thought too deeply about this one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's some connection there with the you know we see. Yeah, the wood. The, you know, you know. Overall, though, since we're done with Josie for the time being, I want to give her a little send off. I sure think that her character—they never really figured out what to do with Josie, and I think that she serves a purpose to like be villainized in the show, and I don't love that choice because she never really did anything that made me think she was a villain. We hear about some stuff that she does off camera. But so, but until this moment, until this kind of shootout, we're, we're always, she's always shrouded in mystery. So for her to be like, to get to, to die from shame or whatever, and then fly into a piece of furniture to where her soul is trapped and she's in agonizing pain. I just felt like that character didn't deserve that or we didn't see why that character deserved that. So I don't know, Eric, what, uh, do you have a take on this that maybe it it helps or is it like, or is that just kind of the way it is with old Josie Packard? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's kind of the way it is. I don't, I've always kind of been like confused by her, I guess, role in the whole, in the whole, uh, in the whole thing. I, I guess, you know, what's really confusing to me is like the fact that she is like the first shot of the entire show. Yeah. And it kind of like maybe speaks to like how uh, maybe uh, things weren't like planned out super far in advance because she's like not even in like the earlier episodes, she's like not that big of a part of the show. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's. I do like her character, but at the same time, it's, uh, I guess maybe the situations and like sort of the storylines she's involved in, I just like kind of lose interest in and out 
sort of like I, I, I'm never like totally hooked on like the Josie stuff. I, I definitely the Truman and Josie stuff. I just kind of like this is soap opera and I, I like the you know all the Ghostwood shit a little bit more than than that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I I don't know. But I do. Um, I will say it did feel like all that. That being said, it felt like there were like some legitimate stakes here in this last scene where I was like, oh, fuck, like, Josie's dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's like this character we've, we've been with for a while, it's like, it's kind of like the first major death, I guess, since since uh, Leland. Right. Um, so, I don't know. It's it, it's interesting. She's a she's a strange character. Um, and who knows? Maybe she comes back to life in, in The Return. Who we'll, knows? We'll We'll see. We'll see. Uh, episode twenty-four, uh, "Wounds and Scars," is the name of my new uh, garage rock band. I like it. It sounds good. Eric, you want me to take over? Jeremy, take the wheel. You got it, baby. Okay, Harry. <laughs> well, I would say first we. Okay, so Harry drinks in the book house, reflecting on memories of Josie. But the way they portray this in the show is like a full-on fucking psychedelic trip down like nightmare yeah. lane and it's pretty fun i will say i i enjoyed this i enjoyed like this whoa this like uh kind of like blues rock is playing all echoey and reverby while like we're seeing old images of like josie and harry and stuff and it's very like um it's quite the send-off but then we get like uh harry <laughs> who's just like not unshaven we've seen we're seeing harry now in a light we've never seen him before so uh hawk brings him a special breakfast from norma harry asks how things are at the station cooper and the other lawmen have taken charge and given full attention to the chess game hawk leaves and harry pours another drink not gonna touch that food eric too nope drunk okay Annie Blackburn arrives at the Double R Diner and is introduced by her sister to Shelley Johnson. Annie Blackburn, played by um, Heather Graham, right? Yes. Yes. So, Roller Girl, if you're a Boogie Nights fan, she is Roller Girl. Okay. She requests no charity from her sister. Major Briggs calls his pie compelling. As Shelley gives him his bill, the log lady notices the marking on his neck. She touches it, in fact. Mm. Hawk reports Harry's condition to Cooper, and they discuss the unusual circumstances of Josie Packard's death, her body only weighing 65 pounds. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think happened to all the other weight? Uh... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, she was... Guess she lost it. skinny to begin with, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, Leo brings Earl a pair of slippers, a pipe, and a newspaper as Earl comments on life out in the country. He examines the newspaper for Cooper's next move in their game, which he interprets as a trick, finding that he is going for stalemate and is receiving help. This infuriates Earl, and he plays his bamboo flute. Whenever I get pissed, I'm always reaching for that bamboo flute. Yeah, yeah. I got a couple of them First stationed thing. around the house just in case I'm in a room that <laughs> you know, and I happen to get pissed in that room. I can quickly grab a flute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Audrey and Dick discuss the Stop Ghostwood campaign's fashion show as well as Tim Pinkle's association with the event. Audrey and Jack then plan to go on a picnic together. This is when he officially asks her out, which I'm like, yes. Yes, Yeah, Jack. a picnic, too. Yes. Smooth. 
Very smooth. Oh, dude. I love that line, too. It's very Donna and James, you know? (laughs) I love that line, too, that's like, uh, oh, where are we going to get some food? And he's like, maybe someone in the kitchen will know. Yeah, yeah. Because she's like, I don't know how to cook. He's like, I bet someone in the kitchen does. It's very charming. Yeah, very charming man. Who is Tim Pinkle again? Tim Pinkle. Uh, Campaign fashion show as Tim Pink. Tim Pinkle, I think, was the guy he was like the guy who wasn't he the guy who was like helping uh leo shelly and yeah, bobby with that, that machine that yeah. leo was i don't understand his okay so yes, it says I tim pinkle was yeah. a dance choreography pine weasel expert and home care salesman yes yeah okay so right. sort of like a Grifter. <laughs> a grifter. Yeah, a con man. Yeah. Okay. So Cooper yeah. goes to Harry and tells him about Josie's criminal past. The sheriff commands him to leave the book house. He's mm. not liking that info. No, no, thank you. Eckhart's assistant Jones visits Catherine. They discuss the burial plans for Eckhart, and Jones gives Catherine a puzzle box from Eckhart. Also, Catherine pulls a gun on her, which I thought was a little hasty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Earl uh, visits Donna in disguise as her father's friend, Dr. Gerald Craig. She welcomes him inside, and he soon leaves her with a gift for her father. So this is good. I love this so much, uh, the scene, but why is Donna just like letting this guy in? <laughs> I don't know. Donna, come on. After all you've seen? Yeah. You got to be it's... more careful. Also, Earl yeah. is like... He's kind of a fun villain because he's evil, but he's also like delighted at how sneaky he is. Yeah. So he's always he's, like snickering and grinning from across the room. <laughs> like like people just is, don't know he's there. He is like a Jim Carrey villain. Yeah. Sort of. Oh like, yeah. He's just yeah. Yeah, he's like a villain you'd find on like Happy Gilmore or something. Mm-hmm. Uh Pete uses various chessboards to figure out the stalemate game to lose no pieces but has found no way without losing at least six. Andy and Lucy also play a game of chess and have a small argument over Andy, not realizing that the knight must move with the hook thing. Eh, Eric, that's what I was talking about. A little L shape, a hook thing. Major Briggs and the log lady arrive at the station. They discuss- Although you called them horsies. Horsies, sorry, not yeah. Knights. Well, I think horsies is like the technical term, the British term, oh, you know? Right. Knight is right. sort of like our little, our- goofy uneducated western term so uh they discuss with cooper their retro uh their respective markings they receive from their respective disappearances margaret's having occurred when she was just seven years old margaret i guess is the name of the log lady huh yeah yeah she knows that she heard uh, the call from an owl during this experience and heard the same when her husband died boy i would have loved to meet that husband i bet he was quite an interesting cat huh yeah, I can't remember what his deal was. He died in a fire. I can't remember. I feel like at one point I read or heard, or maybe they say it in the show, what his occupation was. But uh, yeah. we know he died in a fire, I believe. Hmm. Jack sings to Aunt, uh, Audrey on their picnic, and she expresses the belief that nobody truly knows her, but he expresses his interest in her. Dr. and Eileen Hayward arrive Home from the grocery store, Donna tells them about Craig's visit, which they say to be impossible, as Craig had died years ago. Eileen calls the number that Earl left, learning that it was for a cemetery. Very funny. <laughs> Very funny. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. If you're like 
trying to like intimidate people. This is a funny way to do it. For this sure. Is, like a pretty good bit. Dr. Hayward opens the gift, finding Earl's next chess move, which he leaves to go deliver to Cooper. Dr. Jacoby, yeah. Ed, and Nadine discuss a divorce, which is not clear to Nadine, as she does not understand that they are legally married. She then realizes that she is blind in her left <laughs> eye. <laughs> Man. Oh, boy. What a nightmare. Okay, Ben comes to visit Eileen with Donna watching their quiet discussion, but cannot hear them. Norma examines... This is like... Yeah. what like. It's just at a certain point you're just like, God damn it, Ben! <laughs> like, yes. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You just got your hands all over the place. Uh, yeah, not great. Eileen too is the is the. Uh, that's Donna's mom. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, Norma examines a flyer for the Miss Twin Peaks contest and urges Shelly to compete in it, but she dismisses the notion. Earl, disguised as a biker, compliments her, also <laughs> urging her to enter the competition. She spots Cooper, who then first meets Annie, finding an immediate interest in her. Annie pours Cooper a cup of coffee, during which he notices a scar on her wrist. He tries the coffee, telling her she made it just right. Earl then leaves as Hawk arrives, Telling Cooper that there's a problem at the book house. I love this interaction uh, with Cooper and Annie when he's like, he's like trying to tell, he tells like a really bad joke. I can't even remember. It's like something about penguins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is kind of it. Uh, some, a little trivia. Uh, I think this is from IMDb. Uh, Annie was written in uh, specifically to give Dale an appropriate love interest Interestingly, Sherilyn Fenn is at least five years older than Heather Graham. Uh, Cooper's and Audrey's relationship was heavily publicized in TV Guide and other entertainment magazines. The move alienated audiences and caused a further decline in the show's already suffering ratings. Wait, what did the bringing on Heather Graham? No, uh, like uh, Cooper and Audrey's relationship. Oh, it people hated it. On. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, yeah well what the fuck were they th- i mean i hate to come down so hard on it but what were they thinking truly i mean eric what do you what what was going on here when you wrote this show what what were you thinking <laughs> i don't know i would i i think like they could have simply made uh actually i don't know if that would have worked i was gonna say maybe they could have made audrey a little older mm. um I, I don't know maybe that still could have worked but uh i don't know I, I I don't know. It it seems like I don't know. It almost seems sort of like uh, you got to have like a love interest. Mm. With the, like yeah, there's this pressure to have like the love interest, and you know maybe this particular situation. It was I don't know. They were just trying to go with yeah. what they thought people wanted or what what worked. But yeah, it is it is like it it's you know obviously it was like a little. It was like less uh, sort of. Uh, wild of a of a thing maybe back then, but still even then, obviously, like people had a problem with it. Yeah, people um, did not like so it, know. and it's it's really like I don't know. It's like there's so it's it's like they they did it on purpose. They wanted this to be the story. It's like it, I don't even I don't think it necessarily because there's so many other options, right? Like Norma, for example, like why didn't Norma yeah. and Cooper have a thing? That would have been great. Yeah, like why? What about uh, you know, 
any number of the other characters. I didn't. It doesn't matter. Why does Cooper need a love interest? We also have so many love interests going on, going on in the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Who I knows? mean, either way, I'm glad to hear that uh, the rest of the world was on my side about the Audrey Cooper thing, and I'm glad that they're finding ways to circumvent it by giving you know more characters. We got Billy Zane and now Heather Graham to keep those two separated. Yes. Cooper and Hawk go to the book house where Andy is waiting after Harry has thrown around nearly every piece of furniture in a drunken rage. Cooper urges Harry to hand over his gun. Harry refuses and begins to speak about how Josie managed to improve everything in his life and his regrets is not taking her away. And his regrets Mm. in not taking her away. I guess from Twin Peaks. Um, Dale embraces Harry, bringing him to calmness. Dale and Hawk then put Harry to bed. (laughs) Uh, poor guy, you know, real dark night of the soul. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel for him. Eric, have you ever been in a relationship where, you know, the, the person you loved sort of conned you and then killed a bunch of people and then she herself died? Uh, not within the last (laughs) couple of years. Sure. Uh, Sure. But yes, you're like, if it happened, I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Nadine and Mike then book a room at the Great Northern Hotel as Mr. and Mrs. Hinkman. As the Stop Ghostwood Fashion Show begins, Dick hosts as Lucy and Andy model clothing. It's very awkward. Yeah, this is weird. <laughs> Catherine visits Ben at the bar, amused at his attempt against the Ghostwood campaign. Not convinced that he has made a change in his values, Tim Pinkle then presents the Pine Weasel, which bites Dick on the nose. <laughs> yep. This causes chaos, ending up with Audrey falling into Jack's arms, and they share a kiss. Jones goes to the bookhouse, where she incapacitates a bookhouse boy and joins Harry in bed. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So, I don't know. What, what do you think of, like, the Jones, the whole Jones business? I, I mean, I'll tell you, at this point in the show, I'm kind of like... Uh, don't hate it for some reason. I guess I don't. I don't know why. I guess because I'm like I like villains. I I don't know, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I I will say that it doesn't super hold water coming up here pretty soon. But at the time, I'm I'm kind of just along for the ride. What do you? How do you feel about Jones? It's it's interesting. It's just to me, I'm kind of like we're we're like we're nearing the end and we're introducing a lot of characters. Here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like, what, what are we doing? Uh, but you know, I, uh, there's a, there is a, a in the last three, it, last episode, they introduced three new characters, Billy Zane, Jones, and, uh, the sister, Norma's sister. The sister. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's super uh, weird. It's a weird flex. Okay, so Ep 25, On the Wings of Love. Jeremy, uh, written by Harley Payton and Robert Engels, uh, directed by, and this is one, I love this, this is a great episode, Dwayne Dunham, who we remember, um, we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, So he was hired as the editor on Wild at Heart. Oh, nice. And David Lynch really wanted him to edit Wild at Heart, um, but Dwayne Dunham wanted, I believe he, 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 
it was either he edit wild at heart or he like takes this directing gig and he really wanted to direct and lynch's sort of deal with him was like well if you edit wild at heart you can direct the second episode of twin peaks so he directed i believe the second episode of twin peaks um cool. which is which is a great episode uh but it's great to have, it, I, I love seeing him back and i was just looking at his imdb and did not know this he directed two two of my favorite films oh, yeah. uh little little giants and halloween town whoa <laughs> i know also favorites of mine yeah, dude. Uh, so that's Dwayne Dunham. Uh, nod to Dunham, and let me let me go to the old uh, the old page here to see the plot synopsis. So we got Jones caressing uh, Harry, puts a substance on his lips, uh, then on her own, and kisses him. Uh, Very women always sexy. be wearing <laughs> vials in their in their leggings. Yeah, they they always I've be always two things. That. They always be shopping and wearing vials on their leggings. Yeah, you know, Eric, I prefer instead of a vial on my legging, I prefer a gun. Yeah, yeah, filled with uh, vials. Vials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a trance, he sees uh, and hears her as Josie until Jones reveals a. Garote, garote, and begins to strangle him. Uh, I got, I gotta know what a garote is, dude. Yeah. I gotta look. I gotta we take. Gotta a look moment. it up. A okay, garote. a garote is a weapon. Uh, most often, a handheld ligature of chain, rope, scarf, wire, or fishing line used to strangle someone. Okay. Uh, in a trance. Uh, okay, so we said that he is unable to reach his gun, but manages to overpower and subdue her. Uh, Audrey goes to Jack's room with breakfast. Uh, they have a flirtatious encounter. Plan a flight before he le- before she leaves. Why? What is Jones doing? Like, do we know at this point, or is that revealed later? Like, why is Jones doing any of that? I think she's supposed to kill him. I think, but what? But is I, I? Do we find out later? And I'm just not remembering. It's, it has something to do with the pack, the Eckert, the Eckert stuff. Okay, um, yeah, maybe because Harry is compromised or something. Maybe like they think he knows something. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. That might, yeah. Oh yeah, because there is there is that whole um, there's that whole scene where uh, earlier on, a few episodes ago, where Josie pretty much like confides in him like everything uh, uh she like tells him everything so i don't know maybe that maybe that's what it is uh harry returns to the station uh where he has incarcerated jones who wishes to speak with the south african council uh he wonders why thomas eckert would want him dead and cooper answers with sexual jealousy <laughs> cooper then tells harry a remedy for a hangover the thought of which causes harry to become sick <laughs> This is kind of fun. Uh, Doc Hayward uh, observes a bonsai tree in Harry's office, and Cooper gives Harry a digestive aid. The bonsai tree is found to have been allegedly from Josie. Uh, Hayward tells the lawman about Wyndham Earl's visit to his home with his next move. Uh, Gordon Cole then returns from uh, Bend as Earl and Leo listen in through the bonsai plant. Uh, and I believe Earl is uh, very distressed about the volume <laughs> of Gordon Cole's yeah. voice, which uh-huh. is very funny. 
uh cole Pre- uh oh man i was watching i was watching one of the interviews with kyle mclaughlin and he was just talking about how hard it was to keep a straight face with with david lynch oh, apparently yeah. he would just like lynch wouldn't laugh at all when he would do gordon cole and he would just he would just fully like commit the whole time that's great uh, i love that it's very funny. <laughs> Fuck, uh cole good. also like sort of the presence of david lynch and I can't remember how much longer he sticks around, maybe till the end um, of this season. Who knows? But uh, I feel like, you know, it's always good to have David Lynch on set of Twin Peaks, even yeah. if he's not directing. And you yeah. know that if he's on set, he's probably directing a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's like, if you know, when I'm driving when I'm driving my groceries home, you know I'm opening up that, that bag of... That can mm-hmm. of Pringles and sneaking a couple. Oh, for sure. Sneaking a couple chips. Yeah, eyes uh, completely fixed on the on the Pringles too. Not even looking yeah, at the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pedal on the metal, eyes on the Pringles. Yeah. All uh, all gas, no brakes. <laughs> uh, Cole presents uh, files that say Earl was on uh, haloperidol possibly to fake his own mental illness. Uh, it also makes note of Earl's involvement with Project Blue Book in 1967. Cooper says the word linkage. Uh, Cole is reminded of sausage and decides to go to breakfast. But first he reinstates Cooper into the uh, FBI and gives him a Swith and Mess- Wesson uh, 10 millimeter uh, model 1076. Is this where he says it's James Bond's gun or was that earlier? That was earlier. Oh, okay. Well, uh, after they leave for breakfast, Earl has Leo choose three cards from his hand, uh, which reveal Queen, Donna, Audrey, and Shelley. Leo then correctly chooses the king, Dale. Uh, Earl puts one more queen from behind Leo's ear uh, and says that the identity of the queen will be the winner of the Miss Twin Peaks contest, and he will kill her with Cooper watching. Okay, so... Donna goes to the uh, Great Northern, uh, having followed her mother there, who meets with Ben Horn. Randy St. Croix asks Mr. and Mrs. Hinkman about their stay. Didn't know that guy's name was Randy St. Croix. It's uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, which they say to be unbelievable. Donna asks, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, this is the whole uh, Norma, or uh, fucking Nadine and... Uh, uh, What's his face? <laughs> you know. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, no, mm-hmm. They went to like just like pork in in a hotel all night. Uh, Wait, who, who asked, did it? Was it was uh uh, uh Nadine and Mike? Oh Mike, right? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we see this like Mike's like like some of his friends from like high school show up, and one of them is in like. This is like the only costume choice to me in the show that sticks out where I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's like a fucking like Saved by the Bell like yes. character, like side character outfit. Yeah. It's like a, <laughs> like a parachute pants yeah. and shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Donna asks for Audrey and asks her uh, about the meeting between her mother and Audrey's father, Eileen and Ben argue over love letters written to her decades before Eileen wishing to let their affair stay dead, but Ben wishes to make things right. Donna and Audrey spy on them through Audrey's peephole, uh, to hear Eileen tell Ben to stay away from her. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I don't really like Eileen. I, I mean, I don't really. Like, no, and she's been not, and she's been nothing but like a a nice older woman until yeah. now. She's suddenly wrapped up in all this darkness. Yeah. Come on. Also, wait. Ben doesn't have a wife, correct? Like Audrey's he does have a wife. So Audrey's mom. Who is that? We see her. We see her. I don't even think we see her in season two, at least not yet. So she was but, in the first season, though, at some point. Yeah, yeah. You remember You remember early on, I think it's like the fourth episode there, that episode that opens with like a minute of just the Horn family eating dinner silently, and then Jerry oh, comes in with, yeah. with baguettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's psycho, because... <laughs> uh, Ben is like he's throwing his uh little squiggly dick all around town, yeah, just dude. falling into all kinds of strange. I would say just about every single female character who is single has <laughs> has been preyed upon by Ben Horn in this show. Yeah, yeah, including uh, including our you know our old friend uh, Laura Laura Palmer, including Laura Palmer. Rest in peace. Cooper, Truman, and Cole arrive at the double R. Gordon telling Harry, Harry his own hangover cure, which again causes Harry to be sick. Uh, they sit. Gordon takes notice of Shelly, expressing a profound attraction to her. Jeez. He excuses himself to speak to her, finds that despite his hearing loss, he can hear her perfectly. This is so good. I mm-hmm. love this so That's much. Good. Cooper draws on his napkin, uh, combining the markings found on Major Briggs and the Log Lady. When they return, Harry or when Harry returns, Dale sees through the window that he belie- what he believes to be a chickadee mm-hmm. on a Dodge Dart, but Harry thinks it's a finch. Uh, Annie comes over and confirms that it is a chickadee. She pours the lawman some coffee, with Harry noticing Cooper's attraction to Annie, especially when she- he begins to tell her a joke. Oh, this is the moment. Okay, yeah, yeah I, I jumped the gun on that, but. Uh, Annie notices Cooper's drawing, uh, noting that it looks like it's from Owl Cave, so Cooper wishes to go there. There's a, this is so funny, there's a place called Owl Cave in Twin Peaks and they haven't gone there yet? (laughs) Yeah, I guess, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like owls are like the whole thing, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's in Twin Peaks or if it's like, you know. It, it, maybe it's like a lore. Th- I don't know. Well, who knows? But uh, I do want to. I I love the uh, the bit the bit with Shelley and Gordon Cole uh, yeah. specifically when the log lady says something. She's like, "This pie is a miracle," and he's like telling her. He's like, "Can you tell the lady with the log to speak up?" <laughs> and also the line where he's like. Uh, he, I, I, he's like, uh, 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 tells it, ask for, ask for a pen and paper with his pie. Cause he wants to write an epic poem about it. Yes. I mean, just great. Just great stuff. Good shit. Uh, Donna, apparently a lot of that was improvised too. from what I, from what I've read. Uh, Donna sorts through the mail and finds a San Francisco postcard from James who plans to go to Mexico, but still promises to return to Twin Peaks. She then asks her father why her mother would be meeting with Ben, but he dismisses it as a meeting uh, about a charity fundraiser. Flowers are then delivered to the house for Arlene. Uh, At the library, Audrey encounters Earl. He is disguised as a poetry teacher. Uh, She asks him for help with the poem he had written her, and 
He has her read it. He comments that she looks like a queen and she leaves. Uh, he also mentions Shelly uh, at some point, or it says the name Shelly. Everybody's getting on the Shelly train. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the diner, Annie examines a flyer for Miss Twin Peaks and explains to Shelly the difference between convent life and life back at Twin Peaks, particularly the presence of men, specifically Dale Cooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the sheriff's station, Andy descends from the ceiling in front of Lucy's desk and tells her that he will be going spelunking. Uh, so I guess he's practicing. Yeah, <laughs> in the office. Yeah. Uh, he promises her that he will be careful. Pete calls in the next chess move against Earl, and then the men go to prepare for Owl Cave. Uh, Johnny Horn hollows as he fires arrows at targets. Uh, ben then speaks to Audrey about his change in values, discovering the importance of his family and admitting that he was a poor father before, wishing to change this. Uh, he makes her his business partner and has her go to a business uh, assignment in Seattle, which effectively cancels her plans with Jack, who enters. She leaves, and Ben asks Jack how to be good, which Jack finds to be tr- in truth and honesty. Jack then admits he's falling in love with Audrey, which Ben appears to approve of. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. Would you let your daughter marry Jack? Oh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, I mean, which one? You know <laughs> I mean, which one of my daughters? But either way, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, when the lawmen arrive at Owl Cave, where they indeed find the symbol Cooper had drawn, uh, when an owl swoops over the men, Andy swings his pickaxe into a wall, causing part of the wall to fall out, revealing a petroglyph. We're getting into like full on like Temple of Doom shit. Here. Oh yeah, this is great. Uh, Annie goes to the bar at the Great Northern. Uh, has a rum and tonic. Uh, Cooper joins her, and she discusses her past failure and her fear uh, that it would happen again. Dale offers to help her if she is willing. She accepts. Kind of a sweet interaction. Do you think, er- do you think rum and tonic is good? <laughs> I took this as like she just doesn't know what to order (laughs) (laughs) she's just like uh rum and 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 she just like lets the bartender like fill in fill in like and and he's like tonic i guess i don't know (laughs) but uh i don't know that, that doesn't i've never ever heard of a rum and tonic before no um but i'm definitely gonna order one at some point yeah (laughs) in honor (laughs) you know what i did have at one point uh not too long ago jeremy that i fucking love it was was a great drink i forgot the name it has a cool name i forgot the name but it is um it is tequila pineapple juice and a little bit of lime and it's like one of the most refreshing things i've ever had in my life that sounds really good uh, anyway, Earl goes to Owl Cave where he finds the petroglyph, inverting it, which causes the cave's cave to rumble. So there we go. There you that go. Is, uh, those are the episodes. That's the ones we covered this time. Next uh, time there will be uh, different ones. Yes. Yeah. The, the final four. The final four, we are going to talk about those. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, Jeremy. I'm looking forward to kind of like just you know, having just kind of like meditating on uh, this journey we've been on together with all of our wonderful listeners, um, you know, and uh, 
I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to get back to Kubrick at this point. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's gonna be fun. That I I love I love the way season two wraps up. So I think I, I'm still I'm excited to f- to finish it out as well. So uh, absolutely. How are you feeling, Jeremy? What are, what's your what are your thoughts? Exactly the same. I'm enjoying these last bits of season two, but I'm excited to get into some Kubrick and some just films in general. Like. Like, I'm excited to just talk about a movie, I think. Like, talking about a show is just a different... It's just a different kind of, you know, work you have to do. You know, you kind of have to, like, be talking about a continuity that spans a lot, a lot longer, and it's not as digestible, even though the installments are shorter. So I think that I like going back and forth, and I'm excited to get back into, like, a film and really digest that and... Oh yeah, and especially this next one coming up is 2001: A Space Odyssey. So there's going to be a Ooh. lot to talk about, but that's not for a couple weeks. Next week we will be finishing yeah. out strong with the final four episodes of Twin, Twin Peaks season two, and that gets us all the more closer to why we started this whole journey to begin with, to get to the return. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I you know sometimes I Jeremy when I'm just lost in thought the thought of. Uh, the thought of uh, your reaction to, to, to Twin Peaks: The Return just just tickles me with delight. <laughs> yes, because I, I honestly don't know. I I think you're gonna like it, but I also who knows? Who knows? But either way, you're you're uh, it's 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 good stuff. You're you're gonna you're gonna find it very entertaining. Um, and our listeners as well. So we hope you're uh, enjoying the ride. Hope you stick around. Uh, and with that, uh. We are, like I said at the beginning of the episode, doing the $1 deal on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Um, a lot of greats. This is like the perfect opportunity to like do like the lowest amount of commitment to like check out what our Patreon is. Because it really is different. It's like a different vibe than this show. Uh, I think it's like a little bit more laid back. And we... we, we uh, we we really uh, we 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 listen to the fans on that one. We do what we do what people tell us to, and it's a good time. Um, so that's patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy and Norma. I'll see you in my dreams. Ooh.